We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it over 25 minutes, all right? we doing everybody this is joey here at underage packers welcoming you in to the official very first episode of the season three of underage packers so delighted to have you here today today me and my co-hosts are going to be previewing week one against the minnesota vikings it's going to be a great time speaking of my co-host big b how are you doing on this great week one? Well, um, I'm tired, but yep. that's besides the point. I am so hype. It's week one, baby. Let's go. Man, I cannot believe we are finally here. So many probably pointless off-season episodes. And if you stuck around with us for this off-season, thank you so much. And if you're back here, took a little bit of a break. I get it, man. You know, the... The diehard lifestyle isn't for everybody, you know, so the healthy, the people that have a healthy relationship with the Packers, we welcome you back. So I cannot wait for this season. I cannot wait for it to all go down this Sunday against Minnesota. I think one thing I'm most excited for is just the stakes of the rivalry at this point, because it feels like year after year, the rivalry with Minnesota kind of gets more tense. And I don't know how it was like back in the day, but the 60s and 70s, the Packers and Vikings, I don't know how much they played each other. I know at least in the 70s, though, that they played each other a lot, and the Packers got their butts handed to them a lot from the Minnesota dynasty that didn't win a single Super Bowl. So I guess it's not really a dynasty, but in Minnesota terms it is. Yes. And then the Packers have dominated just like the rest of the NFC North since the 1992 season. They've, they've dominated Minnesota. But in the past decade, Minnesota has really been the only other honcho in the race that's even close to the Packers. That's even in distance of the Packers rearview mirror for a majority of the year. So the, the rivalry feels like it's the stakes are high. Um, and you know, Vikings fans just like to prove their stupidity day by day, even more. And it's fun to watch. Um, so I just cannot wait. Hopefully we get this Packers win on this Sunday, if nothing else, you know, obviously for that one in the win column, but obviously for the Minnesota Vikings fans tears that we will get to consume. I would love just a Paul Allen call where he is breaking down having a mental crisis, <laughs> it, would, it would just be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that we'll talk about later is the Darius Smith, which obviously adds a whole other aspect to this rivalry. It's the, you know, every five or six years, there has to be a Packer that goes over to Minnesota, makes a big PR deal mm-hmm. out of it, and then it, they end up failing miserably, you know. So that's always fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about Zedarius a little bit later. Before that, let's talk about the Packers injury updates. Um, You know, you don't want to have 11 players on your injury report for week one, but I think you still got to feel good. 
about the progress some of these players has made, especially the two offensive tackles in David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, who looks like, you know, at the very least, even if they're not ready to go this week, week one, they'll eventually, sooner rather than later, they'll be back out there on the field. Both of them participating in team drills today. Um, so that's great to hear. And then um, David has been participating in a few weeks now. Elton just getting back in the mix today. So we'll see if they're ready to go. Um, by the way, great to see. You have Alan Lazard, who I believe once again did not practice again today on Thursday. Uh, apparently he was stepped on, um, which is kind of a funny, I guess not funny, but I just want to know, like, what was the case of it? Like, does it matter? Would I be surprised who that player was that stepped on them? Like, was it a big old boy? Was he running a route? I'm sure when you're running at full speed and you got a guy that just, like, steps on you wrong, it's kind of like biting your tongue, I guess, in a way, if you're not expecting it, and that would definitely hurt. So the good news there is, though, that it's not a long-term concern. It's not re-aggravating his um, core muscle injury that he had, you know, one or two years ago. So that's good to see. Um, and he'll she if he's not out there once again, if he's not out there this week against Minnesota, not a long-term concern at all. Um, Matt LeFleur also did say that the turf, the, the fact that they're playing on turf and not real grass in Minnesota will not affect the team's decisions to play with um, Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, or Robert Tunyon, the three who have had extensive ACL injuries. So there's that. That's good to see. And then finally, Mason Crosby, after dealing with, was it a knee issue? Yes. In classic old old man fashion, Mason Crosby dealing with a knee issue. So he missed all of training camp, um, but he is back out there now, and it does look like he's going to be good to go. So that's phenomenal. If it was, if the COVID rules were still here, where they could just do a one-game elevation, I'm sure they would have um, Ramiz Ahmed elevated to the squad this week. But obviously that's not going to happen. So glad to see Mason's ready to go. And hopefully the season is much better for him than last year. So that is your Packers injury update. Hoping for all those guys to play, obviously, so we can be at full strength against the Vikings in an always hostile U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, so, so let's get right into this. Let's talk about the Packers offense, what their game plan is going to be for this division rival game. So a few notes here that I brought up is attacking the Vikings young secondary. Uh, they have two rookie starters who were both those guys were draft crushes, um, for both me and big B and Andrew Booth, um, starting at corner from Clemson and then Lewis seen starting at safety from Georgia, um, I'm still a little bit surprised at Minnesota's decision to let the safety Anthony Harris walk, um, but they're going to throw a scene out there. Um, I just pronounced it two different ways in the span of 30 seconds, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> but Lewis Seen's going to be out there. I really like him as a prospect, but rookie corners are always vulnerable to getting picked apart by expert veteran quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers. So definitely be watching out for that i think the packers will you know, obviously they're going to want to get aaron jones and aj Dillon involved but would not be surprised if the packers try to throw it all over the yard on sunday to take advantage of that viking secondary um and then you have 
two old guys in Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson. I still think Smith is great, but I would say that Patrick Peterson, uh, his, his days of glory are definitely behind him. Oh yeah. He's definitely washed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so the PFF has that secondary ranked 18th in the league. So there's that. I think one question for this Packers offense is obviously how these wide receivers will look really interested to see how playing time is divided uh, between these guys. You know, if Lazard plays, that obviously makes a big difference. Uh, same with Christian Watson. I think he's going to be ready to go, but not a hundred percent sure on that. So but if they are, if all those receivers are healthy and playing, how it gets divided between the top three veterans and Watkins, Lazard, and Cobb, and then also Dobbs, Watson, how much playing time they see. will be interesting to see that. I'm sure Dobbs will get more playing time than Watson in this game because he has that built-up trust with Aaron Rodgers, more time in the preseason, and maybe they want to kind of limit Watson um, as he's recovering from that ankle injury. Um, so we'll have to see that playing to how, how they divide up that playing time and who comes out big in the wide receiver group. Uh, another thing, another group to look at, as we were talking about the offensive line, uh, I think it's going to be key against this Minnesota team to protect Aaron Rodgers, obviously, from Daniil Hunter. Is it Arian Smith, unfortunately? We'll have to see with what Mike Pettin Ed Donatel and Mike Smith have drawn up to put some pressure on Aaron Rodgers, man. That's so depressing. Like, why, <laughs> why you got to bring that, bring all that up right now? Like, just ha- trying to have a good time here. Then yeah. now I'm reminded that Mike Smith left us and, you know, Mike Patton's there. I mean, he, he sucks at a defensive coordinator, but still, you know, it's, it's the point. He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I miss Mike Smith. Jason Rebrovich just seems like, I mean, I shouldn't say this. I was going to say he seems like a weird guy, but that would be too far. He's, he's just definitely contrasting from Mike Smith. He definitely seems more of a, a country boy, you know? Um, and he's, he's going to get... of what Mike Smith is. Uh, yeah, I think, like, Jason Rebrovich, Rebs is, like, my idea of, like, there's there's one of him at every high school in America. <laughs> and, like, they take their job as, like, the linebackers coach way too seriously. But I think Rebs is going to be good. He's, he's got an interesting background. Um, at, you know, Mike Smith, wishing the best. Really sad that he left. Um, and it, it felt a little lonely this year at Packers training camp without him doing his pre-practice laps around the practice field. Felt, felt a little um, a little barren, got to say. All, be, all because of that. Uh, hopefully hopefully uh, Mike Smith's wrist is fully recovered after he fell down from his son's treehouse uh, tree too hopefully hopefully that's back together i know i want i wanted to buy mike smith's house just for the treehouse like that's the only purpose why i wanted to buy his house you don't even you don't even think the treehouse is a cool part of it you just want it so you can look up at it and observe it and be like see that's yeah. where mike smith that's where he fell from and you'll, you'll have like a little i don't know like a little plaque in your yard that says this is the contact that Mike Smith's wrist made as he broke it. And, yep. Well, you, and then you need to contact the hospital to see if you could get his his cast out of yacht on it. <laughs> set up like set it up like a museum and have people yes. pay for tickets to come take pictures next to it. Man, if Mike Smith heard this conversation, he'd be freaked out and have a restraining order placed <laughs> on us. Probably. 
Actually, you could probably like really find this funny, but maybe, yeah. I'm, like I'm sure we're, we're the only Packers podcast having this type of conversation. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving things over to the Packers defense, their side of things. They're going up against Kevin O'Connell in his first game as the head coach. Um, he came from a similar lineage of Sean McVay, kind of in that system. So um, this McVay-Shanahan type of offense continues to take over the league. Um, we'll see how he does. He did spend some time under Jay Gruden and also Mike Pettin. So if his, if his, um, you know, his other mentors are any sign of how he's going to perform, that's a good sign, I think. Um, so Kevin O'Connell, we'll see what he throws out there. He certainly has a lot of tools to work with on that Minnesota offense with plenty of playmakers there. Um, and Justin Jefferson, obviously. I was going to say Cooper Cup. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, who, you know, might be past his prime, but is still a solid wide receiver. And then Dalvin Cook out of the backfield as well. So uh, this Vikings offense will be interesting to me because Kirk Cousins is coming off his the best season of his career, no doubt. And I think a good synopsis of him is one I heard from the athletic football show uh, when Robert Mays and Nate Tice were talking about their offense, uh, just a good synopsis of him and how he performed last season is that, you know, he's a, he's a, a fine quarterback. That pains me to say that he's a fine quarterback, but you are holding your breath. If the game ever comes down to him making the play, right. And we saw the Vikings get into a lot of situations like that last year. And, you know, they, they were kind of came, they were down early in the game, but then they were able to, to put some points on the board and get close to a comeback, but something always happened to them. So uh, this Vikings offense intrigued to watch it throughout this season and see um, the, the little, little exciting plays they make on their way to a seven and nine season. Um, for them uh, also for the Packers defense can't let Cook Dalvin Cook get going early that has been a problem for them whenever they've played Minnesota I certainly think back to that game at Lambeau in 2020 um, where it was a cold windy day so um, the Vikings were able to pretty much just spam Dalvin Cook every single play and A.J. Dillon you know would have been perfect for that game when the Packers were struggling with a the throwing game because of the elements. Um, AJ Dillon wasn't fully developed. They didn't feel comfortable using him quite as much. Um, so Dalvin Cook took over that game in the end. So they can't let Cook get going early um, and allow the Vikings to kind of just eat up the lead and eat up the time with him um, for the Packers defense. Um, and this last game, the Packers played against the Vikings. It was a loss, obviously, but the Packers put up 467 total offensive yards and the Vikings 408 and a high scoring game that came down to a last second field goal. Vikings won 34 to 31. So we'll see. Hopefully that game goes a little different this week, but big B any notes you want to add on this Packers defense or Packers offense before uh, we head into some more previewing type stuff. You know, that, that last point you made there, like the Packers should have won that game. Like Darnell clearly yeah. had an interception. Like that might be biased. It clearly was an interception. We had that game in the bag. The refs absolutely sucked 
<laughs> so hopefully the reps will be a little bit better this um, time around. I agree. I just yeah. don't want it to be a repeat of last time. Yeah, Darnell got his hands on quite a few, or at least, you know, mm-hmm. he got his hands on quite a few. And then there was, I think it was Kingsley Kiki had a roughing the passer call that called one of them back there. And there was one in the fourth quarter that would have been just massive that uh, they just ruled incomplete, I'm pretty sure. And I want to say he he had another one in his hands and something happened, something went yeah, wrong. I, yeah, he had like three, like either like dropped or called back interceptions. Yeah. Maybe maybe you just dropped another one, but I don't think he ended up getting any of them. So mm-hmm. that was that was a frustrating game for sure. And the, the offense, you know, Rogers was talking about this game this past week at his locker, and he was just talking about how the offense just didn't get started quick enough. And, you know, by midway through the second quarter, they were down 16 to three. I remember that that second touchdown the Vikings scored, I think it was Kevin Keene that just completely misread what the Vikings were doing. I think he got completely duped out by either Thielen or Jefferson. And that was that sucked. I, I for some reason in that game they went with Kevin Keene over Eric Stokes until like the second quarter when Keene made so many mistakes. So yeah, that good thing we got our three solid corners this this week. Yeah. That's gonna be great. At least, at least Kevin King is not here to hurt us anymore. Hey man, I I felt bad while I was going through that story because I still think he's a solid four or five. You know, we'll see what Al Shamar does, but I still think he's a solid four or five. Not starting though, but hey man, that is what it is. Yeah. Um. All right, there's that. Now let's get to our three keys for this Packers game. Um, For me, first thing I got to bring up is the offensive line. Can't let Aaron get pressured. He's trying to work out things with his new wide receivers, um, and he's trying to look at for what's out there. Cannot let that get destroyed. Can't make him pressured. Um, I would say it, it would lead to interceptions, but he's Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to lead to interceptions, so – Got to have a solid offensive line. Um, Big B, what are some other keys to this victory? Um, stopping Minnesota's playmakers. Um, last time around in Minnesota, I feel like I don't really remember, but I feel like we stopped Delvin Cook, but we just let Justin Jefferson absolutely destroy yep. him. Try to contain Justin Jefferson. I think with Jair Alexander now, we can actually contain him. Yes got a way better defensive line than the last few seasons. So I think stopping Delvin Cook is more realistic than stopping Justin Jefferson. Of course, they're going to get their their catches, their big runs, but at least containing the Minnesota playmakers is definitely a key to victory. Absolutely. Um, Interested to see how different this game is for the Packers, especially on their defensive side of the ball than last year. As you mentioned, the improved defensive line depth. Really excited to see what the two rookies on the defensive side of the ball and Walker and Wyatt show us in this game. Would really love them to have a big game. Uh, and finally, our third three, our third key to victory here. This is so important. Cannot stress this enough. It's where the special teams be competent. All right. We talked about this in our last episode. They were abysmal against the Saints. Puts a bad taste in your mouth. Let's not start off the season bad, all right? If you're going to kill my dreams, 
of an average special teams. Can you wait till like week five? Right. Sure. Let's not do it in week one. Okay. Cannot let any of those mistakes happen. If it's going to be a high scoring offensive shootout or, you know, a low scoring one where every possession is going to be crucial, special teams could be, you know, kill you. Mm-hmm. So cannot have that happen. You hear me, Rich? You hear me? Yes. At, at least like one good return. Like that's all I'm asking. It's like Amari Rogers to at least like run like at least 20 yards. Like that's, that's all I want in my life. Please. I don't even need any good. I just don't need, I just want no bad. All right. That's, that's yeah. all I'm asking for. Yes. At least below average. Like that's, that's what we need to win this game. Like, Oh man, me feel better about this because I'm still not confident in the special teams. Man, what are what a what has Packers special teams got into? <laughs> put that on put that on a quote. Big B's line there. All I'm asking for is below average. Mm-hmm. I wonder what other situation that is applicable to. <laughs> uh, special teams got to be on it. Um, all right now. Barring any special teams mistakes, let's get in our score predictions for this game, which, you know, are always, you know, they're, they're just for fun. There's nothing that you're going to take away from this. There's no great analysis that ever comes from score predictions. But I'll start off, and I'm going to predict here that the Packers, not going to be quite as high scoring as last year. I think the Packers are going to come away with a 27 to 21 victory okay i'm i was i'm actually gonna say packers are gonna win 27 to 24 Mm. in a very close one defense is gonna set up the offense in some perfect field position we're gonna get a rasul douglas interception of course and i think eric stokes will also get an interception okay I need to bring back my little joke that I did last year where I just, like, predict a random player to come away with a big play. Oh, God. I, I was always hoping for Jonathan Garvin to get, like, a strip sack and return it for 90 yards, but didn't happen last year. Um, so, we'll, we'll have to see. you. Maybe Dean Lowry will make a play. If Dean Lowry does make a play, you will see me out of my seat. All right? Sure. That's that's going to happen. Um Hold on, I gotta I gotta tell my mom if I want thin crust or regular crust here from Domino's. Okay, very important mission out of the way. It's Thursday night football. We gotta get hyped for the first football game of the year, obviously. Um, what were we talking about? Um, four predictions, whatever. Oh, Dean Lowry making plays. Yeah, Dean, mean green lean machine. Obviously, all right. Cannot wait for the season he's about to have. Uh, all right. That that pretty much wraps up. The main stuff focusing on just this Viking game. We got a few more stuff to talk about, though. Um, first off, I just want to bring up um, this guy who asked this question in the Packers um, media availability at Aaron Rodgers' press conference or his locker room availability this week. I love Aaron Rodgers' flippant tone in this and how he his mood. If you watch the rest of the press conference, his mood completely goes from happy, bouncing, having a good time, telling stories, ayahuasca mode, if you will. And then this guy asks a question. He's like, all right, you see, this is why I hate the media. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's roll. So you did have ups and downs with Mike, and, and you didn't know man at all. 
It seems like you guys are in a great place. How'd you get to this point? And did he do anything that first year? Mike who? Mike, um, McCarthy? Based on what? It seems like you had ups and downs. Okay, so you're, sta you're stating that it's fact, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so back to Matt. Did you, um, did he do anything that first year to get things moving in the positive direction? Now, come on, man. I feel like you're trying to push a narrative at least. And it's just such an unnecessary question. I bet you a thousand bucks that that guy is either working for a small time, a small website that he's trying to generate a big quote for either that or he's a big media guy that has no idea what's going on and wants to ask the same recycled question from two years ago about him and Matt LaFleur's relationship. Like, what are we doing now? What are we doing here? Let's uh, let, let's grow up. Let's let's educate ourselves. And I, I don't know what the relationship with Rogers and McCarthy was like. It certainly seemed sour in 2018. But once again, just an unnecessary lead into a question. I mean, that's that's kind of Jason Wildeing it, just like adding unnecessary explanation. But that guy, that here's my theory. I think I think this is um, a time traveler from 2018. Mm went into the future for something that we don't know. Something happens with his time traveling machine that brings him to 2022, but he thinks he's in 2018. Mm. So that's why he asked that question because okay. he thinks he's in 2018. So, well, the question is, uh, he leads it into a question about him and Lafleur's relationship. So maybe it's from 2019 and 20, yeah, yeah, he's, he's still believing of the, the the narrative of Rogers and McCarthy's relationship. Yes. Well, I mean, what he should have just asked him is, was Mike really, what was the story? Was that getting massages during team meetings? That's, that's what we need to find out. I'm glad Pat McAfee did us a service and asked Rogers if, you know, McCarthy ever smashed watermelons in his time in Green Bay, like he did in Dallas. But, you know, uh, unfortunately that was not the case. So, Hey, man, uh, maybe I know this guy very well and I'm absolutely trashing him, but I doubt it. I doubt that's a Green Bay media guy I know. At least I hope it's not. Um, all right, that's that. Let, let's introduce some new segments to the show now because I've been paying attention to Packers Twitter over the past few days, obviously, and I'm seeing so many podcasts with all these news, and it really makes me think of the old saying of you're either getting better or you're getting worse. So I feel like, we're getting left behind in the dust here it's doing yes. our same old show. So we got some exciting segments for you. Not really, but hopefully they work well. We'll see how they go. Yes. First off, meanwhile, in the NFC North, let's let's see how this one goes. It's basically just going to be our weekly opportunity to trash NFC North teams more than we already do. All right. So quick news bit here for you. The Packers are currently uh, plus 1,200 uh, to win the Super Bowl. For, so fourth place fourth favorites. Meanwhile, the Vikings are plus 4,000. According to some Vikings fans, they might, may tell you this is a high-risk, high-reward um, type investment, which obviously worked out great with Dogecoin. Moral of the story, don't listen to Vikings fans. No. And the Packers are gearing up to make another huge championship run this year. But meanwhile, down in Chicago, they're already eliminated from the playoffs. Ooh. Mathematically, it just does not work out. Yeah. You can throw all the numbers in it. It just doesn't work out. Yep. And then Detroit, 
you know, they're, they're, they're just vibing, you know, getting, you know, like they're, they're going to do their thing and I'll applaud them if they win five games this year. And, and, and they got Jamal Williams. So I mean, yeah. like, I can't bash them too much because they got my guy. So, but Dan, I still hate on them sometimes. Dan Campbell and Jamal Williams. What a combo that is. That is just like, the two, their personalities aren't alike, but they're both their personalities are very loud, you yes. know, very colorful. Mm-hmm. That's that's an interesting combo there. They are the dynamic duo that we did not know we had. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, one more thing that I wanted to introduce to the show is our random game of the week. Now, these titles for both these segments aren't quite worked out to their full potential yet, but. Me and Big B, sometimes what we do late at night is we just go back and forth talking about the most random Packers games from yeah. years and years and years ago. And mm-hmm. it's it's a ton of fun. I got to be honest with you. So mm-hmm. I wanted to start including this into our show and just like naming these games, reading back some memories for some people. And as the years go on, we amass more games into our our Packers library. So today I want to talk about, in week one fashion, a game against New Orleans Saints in 2011, the week one opener. This one doesn't quite fit the random, obscure criteria, but it does bring back memories for me. Um, Thursday night football against the Saints, Packers coming off their Super Bowl championship run, and it was a lot of fun. I remember staying up late for it, and I remember... I, I don't remember much from the actual game besides goal line stop, but I do remember there was a lunch lady at my school and I can't remember her name, but I loved her. She was a great woman and she'd always open my uh, cheese stick packets or my yogurt packets for me. And where this is going is she was a big Saints fan. And I, I talked a lot of trash the week before. So I was obviously hoping they won this game and I'm, like in first, second grade. Ooh, I so was, that first grade trash talk you got going Oh, on. yeah. I And I was going hard. Ooh. So, obviously, you know, I remember the goal line stop. I remember screaming, seven years old me, and screaming for that goal line stop and coming into school the next day feeling like a million bucks. So, that was a great game to remember. Obviously, you have a Randall Cobb touchdown uh, on his – First NFL play ever. Um, Aaron Rodgers went 312 yards for three touchdowns. And then the Packers had a total of 399 offense yards. So that's that's great. That was a phenomenal game. And hopefully the the Saints or no, the, the Bills and the Rams deliver us a great game here tonight. I'm Glad to see our old friend Rachel Hotmeyer out there killing it with Buffalo, you know, killing it at SoFi Stadium. That's fun to see. So, Big B, any thoughts? Uh, I mean, uh, do you, did you watch that game against New Orleans? Do you have any memories from it? Um, and, yeah. Um, no, I do not. Um, I did not watch that game, so I clearly have no memories. Um, watch it on Game Pass, though. Very exciting game. Um, yep. Want to go rewatch it? It's on NFL+. Plus. Now that they call it, um, yeah, yeah, Randall Cup's coming out party, so that's always fun. Oh, yeah, that is going to be it here on episode 110 of the Underage Packers podcast. 
Me and Big B, we'll see. We might have some more content coming out this weekend, but I do know uh, early in the week next week we'll have a quick recap on our thoughts against Minnesota. Best place for our content from us this weekend will definitely be our social medias, both uh, from the Underage Packers account on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram, and then also our personal accounts, especially on Twitter. You can find me at JoeyGPG on Twitter and Big B at Big Packers 4X underscore soon to be 5X, baby. Let's do this. It's just a start of something great. Uh, it's going to be the start of the eight, the seventeen and zero season. The or no, it's going to be seventeen and zero division round championship. The twenty and zero season that the Queen of England never got to see. It's a shame. But thank you all for watching, and we'll talk to you later. Go pack, go.